Welcome in to another edition of the Roost Podcast. This is your host, Matthew Bartlett, Managing Editor and Director of the Roost. We are here this week. Well, I say we. I am here this week flying semi-solo. Carter is out, but we do have joining us Matthew Bruni of 247 Sports. He's here to talk about North Texas as the first edition of our, I guess, preseason team previews, which coincides with kind of the a shift in our offseason as we move back towards football. So with that, I will make one quick announcement. Mark your calendars on June 29th. The Conference USA Season Preview Magazine is going live. That's going to be available on the Roost website. Uh, if you've purchased before, thank you. Welcome back. It is Five pages on every team in Conference USA. Some uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the national magazines. They might have a page snuck in there about UTSA or, you know, maybe a section. Uh, we got five on the Roadrunners. We got five on, you know, Louisiana Tech, Rice, Western Kentucky. You want to talk about the quarterback battle at North Texas. We got comments on there. We'll talk with Matthew Bruni about that as well. Uh, it's all in there. Launch is going to be on June 29th, and got one special bonus for you guys. If you are a new subscriber on Patreon, I'm going to give it to you for free. So that's the only catch. Go subscribe to the starting lineup, and if you do that anytime in the month of June or July, so all summer, you'll get the season preview when it comes out for free. Pretty easy. Got some info up on the site if you want to take a look. If you've Heard Carter and I talk about this, and you've kind of just pushed it off. I got some articles unlocked to kind of get you a feel for the sort of things that, you know, our Patreon subscribers get. You get the Q&A of your questions answered on a monthly basis. We'll pull one or two, whatever is good on those, and kind of talk through them. We got practice reports, notebooks, recording, uh, re- recruiting information. We got all sorts of stuff, so that's the big thing. Season preview dropping dropping on June 29th. That's going to be available for purchase. And this year, we're, we're honing in. That's going to be all the Conference USA stuff, all the Rice-specific stuff, the position-by-position position breakdowns, feature pieces, things like that. That's actually going all on Patreon. So if you've been looking for the Rice portion of the, the preview in years past, that's all moving to Patreon. So... Knock out two birds with one stone. Get all the Rice preseason content when you subscribe on Patreon. Ten bucks a month. That's, you know, whatever the the new... What are you doing? The triple venti soy latte mocha chai, whatever at Starbucks. Take one of those out and go get all your Rice content. We're here for you guys. So you get all your Rice content. You subscribe first time this summer and we'll give you the preseason preview for free. So that's one piece that I want to announce. Second thing is... Uh, man, we don't have a drum roll sound effect. That would have been good for the first one. But second thing is Rice has officially announced that on July 1st, 2023, they will be joining the American Conference. So that, I guess the initial news broke late last week that Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF were moving from the AAC up to the Big 12. That left a gap and some open spots in the AAC, and then formally those announcements kind of slowly trickled in over time. Now that it's official, the American has announced that Rice is locked in, so 
I, I guess that means say your goodbyes. This is the last year of Conference USA dub. So hug your friends over at uh, Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Tech, FIU, UTEP. Say goodbye. This will be one last run. I guess Rice will, I guess Rice's last Conference USA function will be hosting the baseball tournament next year, which is kind of surreal. So that was one piece that I wanted to hit on. And then the second piece, which I thought was interesting, and for patrons, I've kind of covered this behind the scenes over the past couple months, but Rice has been in the process of, of overhauling its recruiting staff. Alex Brown left for SMU. I, that was several months ago now at this point. I'm, I'm losing track. That kind of opening up a spot for a recruiting director. Rice has gone in backfield, have a handful of different positions full-time on the staff, uh, brought in a new recruiting director. He was there for, I guess, largely the end of the spring, beginning of the summer, and then he's transitioned out. That being John Williams, he's now at Miami. That opened up a new spot for Rice to make a hire. And I thought the guy that they brought in was was interesting. He hasn't been, I don't believe, formally announced by the university, but uh, it has been reported by a couple outlets and outline and, and confirmed on social media himself. Rice has hired uh, the TikTok coach, uh, Marco Regalado. He was kind of became famous during the middle of, I guess was this was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, if we can think back that far, he picked up TikTok and made a couple videos of you know coaching tropes and stereotypes. Went viral. Ended up on staff with Washington State last season, and would be eventually ran up the chain and promoted to running their recruiting department, and now he has come over and he'll take that same position with Rice. So uh, if you haven't gone and found him on social media, uh, I think he's going to be a fun fun follow. Coach Regalado posted a, a short video of uh, cowboy boots being thrown in the back of a truck and come back to Texas. Was that Bowling for Soup? I believe so. Yeah, so that was fun. He'll be back. Uh, more importantly, I think it's going to be a net win for Rice on the recruiting front. Obviously, he has a big following, uh, which doesn't hurt. And Rice has been off to a pretty good start on the 2023 recruiting cycle as well. So those are kind of a couple pieces. Uh, all in all, lots of good news on that front. Join the AAC, have a new recruiting director who will make fun videos that we will all laugh and hopefully get talented players into South Maine. Those are the kind of key pieces. We will kind of keep you updated. There's always something new that happens in the offseason, so we will keep you abreast of all the important developments as they come. But now we'll kind of make the switch over and jump to our interview. All right, and joining us now is the first guest for our preseason previews going around Conference USA, team by team, as many as we can hit. Uh, it's North Texas this week, and we got Matthew Bruni joining us with 247 Sports. How's it going, Matthew? I'm doing great. Uh, you didn't tell me I was going to be the first first edition of this, so that puts a lot of pressure on me now. So It's a surprise, and I know you're multitasking because you got LSU and North Texas and uh, what else? You got ping pong? Any, any yes. other side project? Uh, also, you have uh, the Dave Campbell, Panthers 24 podcast. On That's true. Podcast platforms and YouTube. We talked rice basketball a couple weeks ago. We did. We did. 
It did. That was a lot of fun. Good time. Add it to the list. You don't want to get bored, do you? No. No. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. Uh, plenty, plenty of stuff to, uh, to cover. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this North Texas team because, you know, I don't get called in as much since I'm not, uh, I'm not in the, uh, in the state of Texas anymore. Yeah, well, we will uh, we'll bring you back in. We'll import you across state lines because uh, North Tech, I, it's, it's funny because I feel like in some ways there's some programs in Conference USA that I feel like in the past, you know, like, what, three years um, have grown and changed a lot. And then I feel like uh, the conversation we're about to have with North Texas is going to have some new nuances, but some similar questions maybe. And uh, I guess that probably starts with uh, the post-Mason Fine era at quarterback. Um, that's probably the big question for, for North Texas. Uh, do you have uh, an answer if you look into your crystal ball? Who's playing quarterback uh, for the Mean Green this season? Well, yeah, we're going into uh, year three of post-Mason Fine life here. And as most people know, North Texas has not had the benefit of consistent quarterback play over the past few years without him. You know, in 2020, it was a battle between Austin Ani and Jason Dean. And then in 2021, Jason Dean transferred to Kansas, where he started at quarterback there. And, you know, Kansas had a good year relative to their standards, you know, pushed, pushed around uh, Oklahoma a bit and some other teams. Uh, meanwhile, North Texas, Austin Ani took the, took, the, took, the hand, took the handles of uh, – the offense and North Texas brought in Jace Ruger as well from North Carolina, and there was a lot of competition. You know, everyone was like, oh, who's going to start a quarterback? And I was adamant throughout the preseason. I was like, it has to be Jace Ruger. I just don't think Austin Ani can get it done. And I was right about half of that, about Austin Ani not being able to get it done. But at the same time, it was not Jace Ruger. Jace Ruger was not the answer. He was uh, not good at all. Five interceptions for three touchdowns. And uh, so, yeah, Austin Ani was the answer by default and ended the year completing a whopping 51% of his passes for nine touchdowns and nine interceptions um, just for 153 yards per game. The quarterback position is befuddling, and it looks like Austin Ani will be back. And that brings me to this year, and they now have a five competition for the starting quarterback job, including Austin Did, did I hear you say that right? Five, man? Metal? Five. You heard that right. Five. Um, Austin <laughs> Ani is the incumbent, you know, and then Jace Ruder is still on the team. They've replaced everybody else. All, I think the other three quarterbacks on the roster are all gone. They've replaced them with three transfers. Um, Grant Gunnell from Arizona, uh, Stone Earl uh, from Abilene Christian, and J.D. Head from La Tech. So that's five players. None of them are freshmen. Most of them are, you know, upperclassmen at this point, or at least been in school for three plus years. And so, yeah, the five man competition here. I think most people expect Austin Ani to win the job. Grant Gunnell, an interesting addition here, and it doesn't really make sense to me to add a fifth quarterback, but that's what Chuck Littrell does. He just adds quarterbacks. They don't go into <laughs> seasons without five quarterbacks on their roster at a minimum, so it's not... Wait, so this isn't out. the first five quarterbacks? No, last year they had 
ooh, five or six? Last year they had five or six, and then, you know, two of them transferred out, one of them turned into a linebacker, uh, you know, one of them graduated. It's just, they, they always have five or six quarterbacks, and that's one thing, you know, you know, you we've talked before, and when I came over to LSU, LSU last year had two quarterbacks. This year they have three. And, oh, that's stuff that's falling right now. Hold on, let me send him the voicemail. <laughs> Sorry. He's probably Sorry. asking if you should pick up a sixth quarterback. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, but, yeah, so it's uh, definitely an interesting situation, but I think a lot of people expect Austin Ani to to take the job and to run with it, and hopefully he just makes significant improvements um, this coming season, especially in accuracy. Hey, I think the good news is you at least have a Mason Fine era to have, you know, to look compare things to. I mean, Rice would like a Mason Fine so that we can go through doldrums. We're, we're just stuck in the doldrums right now without a, a fine to point to. I guess not recently, at least under the, the current head coach's tenure. So, yeah. uh, it could be worse. The grass is greener somewhere with the mean green. Maybe not. It was at one point. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know. It's uh again, like you said, you had Mason Fine, so you and you had Graham Harrell at offensive coordinator at that time as well, which you know people come to forget about. Um, so there's always been that question of did Mason Fine make Seth Luttrell? Did Graham Harrell make Seth Luttrell? You know, was it just a perfect storm where you had? you know, NFL receivers and an NFL running back and Mason Fine at the helm and, you know, everything clicked and that was it. That was your two years lightning in a bottle. And, you know, I, I lean more towards the third option there. I think Seth Luttrell is a fine coach, a fine offensive coach, and I think, you know, Mason Fine and Graham Harrell did their job contributing back in the 2017-2018 season, but since then, it's, since then, it's just been like the development of quarterbacks has just not been not been existing to this point. Well, and, and I think it's interesting because I think part of that struggle last year at quarterback led them probably to turn to the running game a little bit more. And I was actually looking through my notes. Uh, North Texas had the number one rushing offense in Conference USA last year, which is I, probably not, I mean, not something that you would generally associate um, with Seth Luttrell's version of, you know, a spread. Um, Maybe a little Oklahoma-esque with the, yeah. the running game thrown in there. Uh, but uh, you got to start over. I mean, start over in air quotes. Um, and running back as well, uh, replacing a starter. And you got a couple guys there on the depth chart. Is this a situation where if the quarterbacks kind of pan out, it's back to the air? Or are they going to find somebody uh, to step in and, and take over in the running game? Yeah, I think last year a big thing was them promoting Mike Blesch to offensive coordinator, who's also the offensive line coach. I think he gave them a good sense of balance in their offense last year, and I think that was a huge plus, especially because of the struggles that we talked about through the air. And it's not only quickly touch on why they had to run the ball so much. It wasn't only the quarterback, Austin Ani, his struggles or Jay Sweeney's struggles. The receivers, to lose Tommy Bush, to lose Jair Shorter, they lost their two best receivers in the first you know, two or three games of the season, Tommy Bush tore his ACL against SMU, and uh, Jair Shorter went down uh, early in the season as well. So when they lost them, it forced the, the receiver depth to a side. They just did not have the talent out there to create separation. So, you know, you have no quarterback. You don't have your, 
receivers, they're hurt, and so they had to run the ball. And then their arguably their best running back, Oscar Adelaide, got hurt in the preseason. And so that turned forced DeAndre Torrey to really step up, and he had a great year. So did Akaika Ragsdale and Ayo Adai, who was a walk-on. So they ran the ball really well. I give a lot of that credit to Bless and obviously Trell for you know making the best of an unfortunate situation where the injuries just killed their skill position guys. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if going into this year if I can expect them to be the number one running rushing offense in, in in the league. I don't think that's what they want to do. I think they want to be more explosive because last year it was painful to watch them last year for at times. I mean, I they just had no they had no threats over the top really. They had to hope that the defense just busted. Which happens occasionally in Conference USA, but yes, obviously, it's not a plan A. Um, and, and you mentioned some of those guys coming back. I, I know we haven't really gotten a, a good look at Tommy Bush uh, since he, he transferred in. He's had, had his injury and then just kind of missed, but I know there was a lot of hype around him when he came in uh, out of Georgia and uh, got a couple of the transfers at, at, at the wide receiver position. You missed or, uh, mentioned Oscar Attaway, I think. Um, going to be healthy this year. Uh, is it kind of a, a foregone conclusion that it's going to be, you know, one of those couple of guys that steps up and become, you know, I, I think back to the, the Jalen Darden days, you just funnel the entire offense through one guy and it works. Uh, probably don't have a Darden uh, on this team. Maybe you do. But uh, who, one of those two guys, is there, is there anybody else kind of the skill front uh, that you think has to emerge to, for this offense to be successful? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Oscar Adaway. I think Oscar Adaway. I mean, I said last year he was gonna be a top four back in, in the conference. Uh, I think he has to be that for this team this year because they have the depth at running back, no doubt. But I, I look at this roster across the board, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I look at this roster and I'm just like, there's a lot of good players here, but how many of these guys are gonna be great Conference USA players? And then that's what they need. And I think Oscar Adaway has to be great. Um, and then you mentioned it, Tommy Bush and uh, Jair Shorter at the receiver position have to be very, very good at the very least. Like last year, Roderick Burns led them in receptions, and I was on the podcast just saying, guys, this is great, but like he was a walk-on two years ago. Like he was, he's, he's a walk-on. Like it's, it's just not sustainable here to have, you know, Rod Burns leading you in receptions and yards here, and all credit to him, he had a great year, but you need Tommy Bush, you need Jair Shorter, you need Damon Ward, the Travian Brown, these these receivers that are highly, highly talented guys, you need them to, to blossom at some point, and so that's the hope, I think the, I definitely don't think there's a Jalen Darden or, you know, uh, Jeffrey Wilson, the running back, and Jalen Guyton, the receiver, you know, I, I think it's tough to project NFL talent on, on this offense, but Oscar Attaway has to be one of the best running backs on Tuesday, and uh, the receiver, Tommy Bush, Jared Shorter, I think has to lead the way for a, one of the best receiver years since, you know, 2017, I'd say. Yeah, and then I think it's it's part that, you know, we might not hit on all the time going through maybe the guys scoring the touchdowns, but Mean Green do bring back a good amount on offensive line, I think particularly yeah. um, you got Manez Most. Um, who's back for, I feel like we've been talking about him for <laughs> well, 15 brother, years at this point. Well, him and his brother, and it's uh, Mose. Yeah, Mose. Mose. So, that's a fact. Yeah. 
One of the two. Yeah, so it, it was Josiah mostly and then, and then him, Manasseh. And you had both of them. And now I remember when Manasseh was a freshman. And now he's, what, a senior or a junior at this point? I mean, he's played three or four straight years. So, yeah, he's been there forever. Getting him back to the big. They returned, uh, to your point, they returned four starters. The one player that they lose was uh, Cole Brammer. Or, I'm sorry, Jacob Brammer, who, who transferred to Vanderbilt, who was a very good uh, tackle for them last year. But, I mean, in theory, the offensive line should be pretty good. I'm not going to say it's going to be great, but they return a lot of players. And Gabe Blair is really good. Manasseh Bosa is really good. And uh, then you have other experienced guys around them. So all in all, you know, Arrow turning up pretty pretty confident, or at least uh, feeling feeling generally positive about the offense, uh, especially you know decent last year with what they had, and then hopefully you know knock on wood uh, we'll have everyone back this year. Uh, is that yeah. is that kind of fair? Feeling a little bit better than we were? <laughs> yeah, last year was just so painful. It was so painful to watch for for stretches. Um, as you know, I mean sometimes. When, when, I mean, when there are bad conferences teams like, like North Texas was last year, and even though North Texas went on that run of wins, I mean, for those who don't know, I mean, they started the year one and six. They ended the year winning five straight games and make a bowl game and then lose to Miami, Ohio. And I, it was one of the more improbable runs because after they were one and six, you just looked at this team like there's no way that they can win five straight games and because of the offense it's because the offense just they couldn't throw the ball down the field they couldn't throw the ball down the field and it was incredible to watch them somehow like they beat UTSA they beat UTEP I mean they they were somehow just putting up enough points to win games and against UTSA Hill they put up 45 so I mean I I don't know what exactly it definitely wasn't uh it wasn't like Austinani became a new quarterback or anything, but they figured some things out, and like I said before, I think I think Seth Petrell's a good coach. I think Mike Bless, the offensive coordinator, is a good coach. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think if everybody stays healthy this year, and if they get better production from the quarterback position, which is, I think, what this entire season hinges on, then, yeah, I, I feel good about them getting back to where they usually are in the Seth Petrell, which is, you know, in the 32, 33 points per game range. And and you alluded to it when you were talking about that. I, I almost felt, especially last season, that we were in upside down land because we were talking about the Mean Green defense and how how it was keeping the season afloat. Uh, and I I think back to I I feel like 2020 probably wasn't fair because I feel like North Texas had had as many COVID issues as anybody else, if not more, especially on defense. So for that unit to turn around as, as quickly as it did, you know, it, it's really interesting. And I think my, my kind of the big question I have for that defense is, is what is it going to look like without the Murphy twins? Because mm-hmm. I feel like they were a luxury that most Conference USA teams don't have. And all of a sudden your corners and your secondary look a lot better when they're there in the middle, uh, kind of getting the pass rush and keeping people out of the running lanes. I mean, yeah, you just basically said it all for me at this point. It was last year's defense, Phil Bennett's first year, right? Phil Bennett comes from, you know, Baylor. He's been in the game for a long, long time. He comes in and he's like, you know, these guys just need to be tightened up, you know, on 
on their fundamentals and their techniques and stuff. Well, early in the year, in that one and six stretch, there were some games where they looked pretty good, right? There were some, uh, they held like, they held Louisiana Tech to zero points in the second half after allowing them to score 24 points in like the first quarter and a half. Uh, they ended up losing that game 24-17 because, again, offense could not score. But um, then, as the season went on, they just eventually said, you know what, forget it. We're just going to bring the heat, and we're just going to basically kind of be boomer bust to a degree. And it started with the Murphy brothers. The Murphy brothers were two of the best defensive ends, two of the, two of the best defensive linemen in Conference USA. And I know there are a lot of good defensive linemen in Conference USA last year, some of which got drafted. But, I mean, these guys were just freaks. And like you said, it's a luxury that Conference USA typically don't have, especially with Texas. So it started with one. one. Yeah, and then not only that, but then they also had Deion Roseville at defensive tackle, who is one of the better pass rushing defensive tackles in the conference. And I think, you know, uh, while he didn't get drafted, I think he's a very solid uh, defensive tackle in conference USA. So you had them, uh, you had experienced linebackers. Uh, the secondary was was very shaky, but again, they mo- they made up for that with the pass rush and just with those Murphys and. Those, like you said, they go, they go to UCLA, and that's a huge blow. And I'm just like, they also lose Deion Novell, and you're looking at it like, okay, Joe Bennett, uh, how are you? What is what's the plan this year? Because I don't think that's sustainable if you don't have that level of talent on your defensive line, and they won't this year. I mean, Rod Brown at nose tackle that was had a great freshman year, he's a really good player. They bring in this guy Tom Tom Creed, who they're really high on that defensive end. So, you know, uh, maybe they can be a really solid defensive line, but they're not going to be as great as they were last year on the defensive line. And so it's uh, definitely a question mark. I definitely need to see uh, a more versatile scheme, you know, a scheme that can hold up in different situations uh, because last year it felt very, uh, I don't want to say, I don't say lucky, but it felt like they were just reliant on the pass rush to a huge extent, which – I understand because of the talent they had, but I just don't trust it at this moment going into this year. So you can confirm that Dion Noville actually terrorized other teams. I thought he just kind of had it out for right. <laughs> he was, he, uh, let's just say he never had a game that good ever again. Was, was, it, was it 2019 it was, in, in Denton? When was that? It had to have been because when was, because COVID was, it was the 2019 season, I believe. I don't I remember I don't that. Cause did, we, did, did we take Fox a play a couple the COVID season? Yeah, well, uh, they did play Rice in the COVID season. Um, that was, oh, maybe, it was, maybe it was 2020. But anyway, it was one of those years. Maybe it was. I remember the SIP reading out, all right, if he gets one more tackle for a loss, he breaks this record. And then he did it. Okay, if he gets two more, he breaks it. And then he did it. I'm just like, stop it. Make it stop. Yeah, it was 2020. I'm looking at it now uh, at home. I just remember being in the Apathy Stadium. He, yeah, had, no. he had 24 tackles for a loss in that game. I believe it. But it felt so much worse. Oh, man. And, and, and to reset, and that's the thing, that losing losing Noville and both of the Murphy brothers, and then, you know, I, I'd had a lot of folks have been talking up Treeb but, you know, you mentioned Murphy Brothers going out to UCLA. Well, they'll probably start 
uh, and and Shreve is coming in from the College of DuPage, um, yeah. which you know you can't you know, judge a player solely by school. Uh, but if you're telling me one team has a starters at UCLA, another one has a guy from DuPage, that's that's a talent difference. Yes, no, it is, and that's and obviously that's some, this is something that and this is why I don't really feel bad for Texas in this regard because it's something that every school. Every G5 school is going through. Every G5 school has lost at least one or two players to the transfer portal that you know are going to play at a at a high level. I mean, again, I'm here at LSU and they've got the offensive lineman from FIU, Miles Frazier, who's now going to probably be starting at LSU. So FIU is going through the same thing. So I, I I don't you know I don't have sympathy I guess in that regard. It, it's not ideal, but. Um, at risk of making taking a complete detour, I do want to take a quick aside on that comment because I think you have an interesting perspective having covered North Texas right when the transfer portal was, you know, first becoming a thing and then moving over to LSU, you know, covering and seeing both sides. I I hold the opinion that the conference or the conference, the transfer portal is a net win for group of five teams, teams at the level of North Texas and Rice because from my perspective, what I've seen at Rice is you'll lose a guy or two that you were really counting on this season that was that impact player. Maybe you get hit by a wave of three or four wins season, but you're probably going to be adding one, two, three guys coming down from the Power 5 level. At least you're probably going to be adding two, three, four guys from Juco, and you're probably going to be adding, you know, a couple other players from another G5 school or FCS, especially with the counters open. So, you're losing two impact guys and you're getting eight, nine, ten lottery tickets. Um, that's, that's my experience. Would that, would you kind of view it a similar way? Do you think, uh, the North Texas and Rices of the world are, are benefited or harmed? It nets out. What has been your perspective? Yeah, I think, I think it even, evens out, uh, for the, for the most part. I think you bring up a great point. I mean, you look at North Texas. They lost the Murphys and they lost Brammer. Those are the only three players. Those are the only three major players that they lost to the transfer portal. And if you tell me that, and then they bring in, you know, guy from Nebraska, Memphis, Utah State, Arkansas, Central, Missouri, Jay, and the receiver Jay Macklin, who I didn't touch on. Uh, he's expected to be very good, so I want to throw his name out there. Jay Macklin from Missouri. Um, and then, like I said, J.D. Head from Louisiana Tech. So we're talking... What is that? Seven, six or seven transfer there, and you lose three. Obviously, you do, the three that you lose are three of your better players. But um, I, I do think it balances out, and if nothing else, it gives you adequate depth, which is something that a lot of these programs don't have it, didn't have at times. So I, I, I think from a depth perspective, it does them well. But uh, yeah, and in North better. Texas, the starting quarterback this year is going to be from the portal. Whoever wins the job. <laughs> yeah, I mean between. I mean, yeah, all these guys. Ed, like I said, Ed from La Tech, Earl from ACU, Rudolph from North Carolina, Gunnell from Arizona, and then Ani, who's been there for a couple of years, and then, but I mean, technically went from TCU to baseball to North Texas, right. I guess. So that's, that's a whole different animal. Twenty, I think he's 28 now, 29. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. What's going on. I, I, I like knew that. he was a baseball guy, and that makes sense, but my word. Let's see if I can find it. I'll see if I can find off the top of my head. Yeah, Rice, uh, Rice last year had uh, offensive lineman Javon Wolford, who was in his seventh season of college football. I think, that, he's, uh, I think, I think he's 28. I think Arnie's 28. So, there you go. 
just in, in, incredible. Wild. He's one, now at this point he's got to find another reason to stick around for two more years and play, be playing college football at, at third. He needs to go the the Brandon Whedon path. I mean, he's he's technically technically he's a junior, and that's the that's the crazy. Oh, part of because the COVID, because of the COVID year, so it was like nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Those were his three years, but the twenty twenty season doesn't count, so he's really only played two years. So he'll be technically a junior. So, so you're telling me yeah. he could be the starting Texas or starting quarterback at North Texas at thirty, depending on when his birthday is. Yes, yes, it is. That, it is that is what that is all I am rooting for right now. Oh man! And no, then yeah, I, 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 uh, Rice to start a, a true freshman at quarterback when they play, so there will be a a twelve year age gap between quarterbacks. I mean that's the that's the crazy thing to me. If you're, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Austin is uh, comfortable with with what he's doing and everything, and you know, you're just. I don't even want to say you're going to school because, but I mean, he is. He's going to school, and I guess getting a degree. But at the same time, you're 20 years old, hanging out with guys who are at least six to seven years younger than you. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. But I mean, all the teammates love him, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean that's you. You know what you sign up for. I mean, uh, Rice has had a couple guys come back and do the, the baseball route too, so it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, uh, any twenty-eight-year-olds on the defense that we should be aware of? Not that I can think of. Player, the oldest player on the defense. Oh, it's probably Katie Davis. Well, I don't know how old Katie Davis is exactly, but I mean Katie Davis returned, and that was a big. He's another guy who's been around. Yeah, he's been around the block. Um, but his return was a big deal because we knew they were going to lose Tyreek Davis um, because he was out of eligibility. But KD Davis technically had one more year and he decided to come back. And I think that's a big deal because for the continuity of this defense and I think for Phil Bennett, what he wants to do. He was first team all conference uh, last year by the coaches and I I like him. As a player, and I said last year, I think he just needs to be more impactful at times. So we'll see. Without the defensive line that dominated games last year, can he be more impactful? Can he be the best player on the defense? Which I think he needs to be this year. I think it's going to be interesting to watch that. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to have something and somebody in the middle uh, step up. Either um, him. I know Larry Larry Nixon came in and had a pretty good mm-hmm. role last season and made some plays. Those were two. And then one guy that I kind of have uh, circled, or I, I'm going to be curious about it and kind of be lost, watching where he lines up, especially when uh, the Mean Green take on the Owls, is Deshaun Gaddy. He is kind of an interesting guy out at corner. Made a couple plays last season and is one of those guys that I don't, I don't know if he's going to take that next step because I think he has the potential to be, you know, one of the better corners in this league. But he's kind of on that. He's still in the up and coming. You know, where are we on the Deshaun Getty hype train, or or, or does he have a train? He he does because he coming out of high school, he was the highest rated player in that class, and one of them. And we were all sold on Deshaun Getty being the next lockdown corner at North Texas. He bounced to safety a bit uh, in his first couple of years, but I felt like he was always going to go back to corner, which is what he played a lot of during the spring. And I think the cornerback position. We talked about the, the secondary needing to be better. I think the corners are actually going to be 
I don't want to say they're going to be a strength, but they're actually going to, I think, compensate pretty well at this point. Uh, John Davis, who transferred into Texas Tech just two years ago, he's looking real solid. And then Deshaun Gaddy and Quinn Whitlock are two guys who have, you know, two years of experience here at North Texas. At North Texas. And with that being the case, I expect those three to have a really, really solid year. Safety position, there's five guys who could start there, and I'm not sure who, if, if any, are going to be good. But the corners, specifically, I think, are going to be um, not a weakness, at the very least. Whereas last year, I was uncertain about them at best. Which, it kind of makes me, I think now, if if you had to lean one way or the other, what side of the ball, just big picture, do you think is going to be the strength for North Texas this season? And And, you know, we obviously hope both will be good. Will be will one be uh, significantly better than the other? Or are these kind of two two groups that kind of look on paper to be both pretty good? Um, you know, typically before last year, the the offense was better than defense significantly every single year. Every single year, the offense was better than defense. Defense was giving up forty points a game. The offense was having to score forty five points to win. Last year was the first year we saw that flip, and I do think that is because of the quarterback position largely. Not saying they were good at quarterback in 2020, but they were able to, they had better weapons. Jalen Darden was on that team, and Jalen Darden was the, was the offense. So um, I think you had a little bit of both, though. Like, the offense was definitely worse than it was, but the defense was also better. Yeah, no, the, the defense was definitely better. That That is a huge point. I think Phil Bennett gets a lot of credit for that, rightfully so, and the Murphy brothers' emergence, like we talked about. Um, I, I hesitate to say that the defense is going to replicate how much better. Like, I don't think they're going to take another step forward. At best case scenario, you get them playing the way that they did last year, which, you know, puts them at like the fourth or fifth best defense in the conference, which would be outstanding. That would be absolutely outstanding. Um, the offense, though, last year was worse and has to be better. And I think on paper, I don't know how I'm saying this after watching this last year, but on paper, I think the offense should be better than the defense, despite the pain that it was last year. I think on paper, Attaway, Bush, Shorter, getting those three back, you know, if you can figure out the quarterback position, you have enough weapons to make this work, and the offensive line should be solid. I think this has the potential to be a, a, a patent set with the offense that disappoints in the group. So I'll say the offense. I have been told by at least one coach before that they don't play games on paper. For what it's worth. I said, it's all I got, man. I mean, it would make my job a lot easier. It would make my job right? a lot easier. It's like, oh, this team is better. Let's just wrap it up. Let's and uh, let's go home. Yeah, everyone just show up. It's like a little parade event. And then just walk back out. <laughs> this team won. <laughs> we ran it in the uh, Madden simulator. Well, I guess we, we're going to have an uh, incidental football back, right? So we'll do we'll yeah. spin that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, and then have the best NCAA football player from each team just play it, actually. That's what we do. Just turn it to a full e-league esports event. Maybe there should be, like, we'll make that a component. Like, they play uh, on, on Friday night before the game. They do the e-game. 
and then on Saturday they play the game, and you'll there'll be a point system. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yep. we got Rice has got some smart kids. I bet you we got some good guys in video games. Earn some point. points back up the pregame. Oh, honestly, I I like this idea. The more the more we're talking about it, I think it's it's gonna get some legs. Once this day football comes back, people are gonna be going crazy. So I'm excited. All great ideas are birthed by late night podcasts. Yeah, I think yeah. We'll get that on a t-shirt. We are going to get you out of here, but we can't before we do the lightning round. I think it might have been maybe a year or two since we did this with you, but we are going to put an imaginary amount of time on the clock and uh, gut instinct first response to these kind of questions, and then we'll get you out of here. You up for it? All right. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't remember the last time we had to do this, but it was a couple years ago. It was a year or two ago. We changed up the questions a little bit, and then one at the end is the same, and I think it's going to be interesting to talk through it again. Yeah, I remember right, you, so. asked if there was a, uh, you asked if there was going to be a season when there was COVID, and I, yeah, said, I said, I said yes. The little bit I know, Rice would only play like half the season, but there was a season. There was actually, when I had that question written down on my notes, it did have an asterisk on it. Yeah, so. There, there you go. I'm ready. never going to be just getting out of it, and we're never going to not. Man, what a year. Still going there. Uh, anyhow, lightning round. Ready, um, set, and we'll go. So, on offense, who leads the team in touchdowns? Oscar Edwards. All right. How about on the other side of the ball, who leads the team in sacks? Tom Creed. All right. A little bit tougher. Uh, who's somebody that's not going to be on any all-conference teams this year, uh, but probably should be? Who's getting slept on? Rod Brown, defensive tackle. I don't know if he's going to be on all-conference teams. I don't think he will be because he didn't have a great year, but Rod, Rod Brown, defensive tackle from Iowa State. And then up and coming, uh, rookie of the year. So only freshman? Uh, freshman, first year playing, being a key piece. Um, I'm allowing for red shirts, guys who are new, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, give me. Okay, I don't ask any questions here. Uh, give me very loose rules so you can kind of bend them to your liking. I was gonna say, did transfer count? Uh, give me. Uh, Ziggler McMillan, receiver. There you go. I like the name. Yeah, Ziggler McMillan. Yeah, he's very fast. Which is All right. I'll take... Anybody who has a name that starts with a Z has to be fast, I think. Is that you just speak it in new at, at birth? Or do you, yeah. he comes out and just run down the halls and you're like, yeah, you got this kid? Yeah, you just place the baby on the floor and you see how fast <laughs> he goes. You're like, all right, that's his name. The faster the name, the faster the, the yeah, baby. For... For all non-parents, this is how all baby names are decided. So if your first name is the beginning of the alphabet, I'm I'm sorry. Like like Albert, like there's never been a fast yeah. Albert before. Hey, we're M, so we we got to be in the middle. I'll take that. Yeah, we are. Could be worse. Um. Anyhow, back to this. Uh, team MVP. Hmm. Hmm. Katie Davis. I'll, I'll believe. I'll buy the Katie Davis hype. 
think going back to the last time we played this, I think you said, uh, I think you told me Jace Reuter was the MVP when we talked last <laughs> year. I'm almost positive. I was really high on Jace Reuter, man. I was like, there's no way Austin on his the quarterback. And boy, that was, that was a trip. This is why they keep us in the press box far away from the people with the headsets. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Oh, man. That was good rationale. All right. Uh, last couple. Uh, finish in Conference USA. Is this an upper tier team, middle of the pack, or at the bottom? Middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Oh, and then if you had to pick, who's winning Conference USA? You can say Rice. It's allowed. Man, I just, I, I don't know if it's because I'm from San Antonio or why I just see everything UTSA does, and I'm just like, damn, are they really going to, like, miss a beat, even though they lost, like, however many great players? They return Frank Harris. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with UTSA, and at least, definitely, at least in the West. It was really, really bizarre going through my preseason on conference team and putting Frank Harris as QB1. Oh, yeah. I had to. He's the only guy who's been there and done it, but... I mean, he was was funny. I I remember watching him in in high school. He's a year younger than me, so he's fifth-year senior, sixth-year senior, I don't know, whatever year he's in. And it's weird. I just remember watching him in high school. He was so so great, and then he tore his ACL, and then went to UCSA. But anyways, yeah, shout-out Frank Harris. All right, last question, closing out. This is verbatim. Uh, I actually went back to show notes, and I copied this verbatim. Is Seth Luttrell at North Texas in 2024? Wait, did you ask me this? You asked me in 20, you asked me two years ago if he was going to be here in 2024? Yes, to the year. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's already been here. This is year six? This is year six or seven? This is year... God, the years run together. Um, I'll, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. I think this is a good year. I think they end with seven or eight wins this year. I'm, I'm actually feeling. I'll say seven wins, seven and five. Is my prediction. That that buys them another year for sure. Yes, this will be, this will be going into year seven, which I think is interesting for Latrell because he's approaching the Doc Holiday demarcation line of I feel like he had his chance and then is kind of no longer the golden sun. And oh, yeah, uh, no. I mean he had it he had this chance after twenty eighteen. That was that was the year kind of and then you know he kinda of rolled the dice with one more, you know, run it back year and it doesn't pan out and then kinda of just faded away a bit. But I think he's happy in this role and I think he definitely enjoys doing this instead of being a coordinator at like Oklahoma or something like that, or Oklahoma State, you know, it's like, so I, I think he's, he's good. Here. Someone has to stand up in the tight shirt and give vague coaching platitudes to any question asked. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't tell you how much of a jump it was going from Seth Luttrell to Ed Orgeron, but now I'm going, and now I'm going to Brian Kelly. It's three completely different coaches <laughs> that speak completely differently and just have completely different like you said, platitudes, and yeah, it's. it's I feel like Brian Kelly could be good for some coach speak, but I feel oh. like Latrell, of all the coaches I've talked to, 
Luttrell is pretty high on the go play hard, work hard, yada yada. Yeah, no, he's he's up there. I think at least Ryan Kelly will give you some insight that I think a lot of young coaches wouldn't give you. You know, they'll like tell you some stuff, and Ed Orgeron's just crazy, whatever. Uh, Seth Luttrell is very, very, very coach speak. You have to, you can't. I was there for however many years. You, you can't break him down. You can't. So he stays in his cell and he does a great job with it. So. Love him, it's love it's him a there. science how you can ask him a question about the starting quarterback and then the backup place kicker, and he'll give you the same answer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very important. I, Just like you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got to give him a call back and tell him, tell him I'll talk to him about it. All right. Well, you don't don't pass along any of the uh, inauspicious uh, comments I made. Uh, I, I I think he has fond memories of me from the last We haven't had an in-person uh, conference media day since 2019. Yep. Man, who knows if Conference USA ever gets back to that? But we'll see. Well, I will let you give, give Seth a call back, and I do want to say thanks for stopping by. It was a good time catching up. Where, uh, if we want to, is it just LSU you're doing now? We joked about ping pong. Where can we follow you, and, and what's next? And and the many adventures. Uh, oh, Matthew Green. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, we had to replace our writer at Mean Green 24-7. Uh, he got a job at the Denton Mercury Chronicle working, covering the high school beat, so congratulations to him. We are working on replacing him, but Mean Green 24-7 will be up and running momentarily. And then, uh, yeah, Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball, Texas 24 podcast. Um, Matt, uh, you can uh, attest to the greatness of that podcast. So, yeah, check that out uh, as, as well, Matt. Pretty much everything. At some point, we'll sleep. We'll sleep. At some point. At some point. Maybe. 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 Like out for like two days in July. Yeah, that's now the off season. We've truncated it. I'll take it. All right. Well, thanks for uh, all who have stuck with us. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next week with uh, one more conference preview. Price fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.